0: Live from the Union Chapel in London, Spontaneity Shop presents episode 300 of The Guilty Feminist, otherwise known as Campus Springtime. With me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Tom Allen, and an amazing lineup raising money for Say It Loud Club and Can Do Action.
3: Good evening, everybody. Did you have a nice interval? Yeah. Uh, please welcome to the stage the other host that's not Deb. It's Tom Allen. Yeah. I, get in your seat. You were the first one up, and now you're the last one sitting down. Just because you look like me doesn't give you some special dispensation. <laughs> what is your name? What is your name? Rob. Rob. Don't stand up when you speak to me. I'm not that important. <laughs> I like that. I inspire a sort of scholastic discipline. Um, Rob. Rob, you're right. You've got a very sort of rustic outfit on there, haven't you, Rob? A bit chilly. Yeah, no, it's nice. You look sort of um, Mumford and Sonsy. You must get that a lot. Come, no, no. What do you do, Rob? What do you do? Make software for farmers, Make software for farmers really? So you dress as your clients, in <laughs> a bid to impress them. Where do your clients live? Are they all over? All over. All over. What sort of software do they need? A map, a map of their farm. Oh, like a living map of their farm. Wow, that's clever, isn't it? What? Because do they forget where they put their crops there? I was drunk, I don't remember what I planted in this field. Come springtime, we'll definitely know. I think I planted something. Oh, that's fun, have you ever been a farmer yourself? Have you ever been to a barn dance? Yes, good answer. Do, Do barn dances happen as much as I'm led to believe in the countryside? Not invited to as many as you'd like to be. Oh, Rob, I'm sorry it hasn't worked out as you hoped. Where do you live in Islington? You live in Islington? What a topsy-turvy, fucked-up world we live in. <laughs> Rob, fa- farming software salesperson. Sale- or developer, salesperson or developer. Rob, stop talking to Deb. Stop looking at the camera. It's just Deb's putting you on her social media. Rob, uh, developer or salesperson? Uh, CEO. CEO. <laughs> well, that explains the Islington Postcode, everybody. Set up, set up, start up yourself? Start it up? Start up, tech start up. Oh, you've got to be in tech. What made you do it in agriculture then and not something fun? Like, I don't know, finding other gays. <laughs> you, wanted you wanted to properly change the world? You should see some of the people I've met on Grindr. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't know if any of them changed the world. Um, all right. How are you with your scarf? What, what's your name? Thea. Thea course and Thea what do you do Thea I've got a podcast. you've got a podcast yeah but what do you do for a job <laughs> joking Thea, I'm joking what podcast is it I'm sure it's a very well-known one and I'll be embarrassed uh, it's, a it's a feminist podcast what you come here what to throw the gauntlet down for Deb <laughs> yeah you think you've got a feminist podcast I've got, what's your one called then Thea sorry I can't hear you I'm not going to tell these people to give you advertising <laughs> no what's called the... The, last the Last Night Podcast I thought these people were... and here are, here are my... <laughs> uh, And here are my group The Last Night Podcast oh that sounds nice is, what, what, why The, the Last because you talk about The Last Night yeah no is that a reference to something no no, no. great <laughs> <laughs> sounds brilliant Theo. sounds brilliant is it doing okay doing well Debs is going to go on it. Yeah, but she's going to trash talk here when she gets there. She's going to, she'll be lovely. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Where are you based? you based around here as well, see you? Lewisham. Uh, no, Lewisham, yeah, I've been there, yeah. I've... <laughs> We're not Americans. Don't start cheering place names. Doesn't work, doesn't work, does it? In America, people come out and go, I'm from Boston, and everyone's like, woo! You can't do that in this country. You can't come out and go, oh, I'm from Sidcup. <laughs> Don't try it. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Sid- Are there people here from Sidcup? No. Uh, really? Really? From Sidcup? Really? Did you grow up there? No, you just moved there because you heard about what a great nightlife it's got. Wow, Thea. Lewisham, you like it? Uh, no. Uh, no. Oh, so now what are you going to say, all those people who cheered it? Thea doesn't like it. Why don't you like it? Quickly. It's a bit grabby. It's a bit... It's a bit grabby. grabby? Well, well, tell us what that means now. Um, you know, just so, like I'd like to live somewhere where I don't like, get assaulted. Do you get... Oh really? Is that what happens? Oh, yeah. oh Thea, that's terrible. Sorry, phone, I mean, it's so, I mean, no, you have you have sort of brought <laughs> you have brought the mood down. But no, we're having to. Thea just said that she said I'm sorry I brought the mood down. Um. Uh. Well, well. I'm I'm sorry, and um. I hope I hope that we can all make a change to that. And what 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 is is there. Is this what your podcast... Is yes. this like, yeah, yeah. Like and, then, and then you humiliate them. Great. great, great, Have you always lived there? No, I'm from Bristol. You're from Bristol. <laughs> surprised you were so reluctant to scream. People from Bristol, they normally go, like, yeah! Oh, that's nice. Whereabouts in Bristol? Portis Head. Portis head. No one's that enthusiastic about it. Thea. Uh uh, what's (laughs) um do you want to buy a cape? (laughs) Great. Now we've got a fabulous. We've got a yeah, you take some pictures of Thea, yeah. Yeah. Take pictures of Thea so she can plug her podcast that she's obsessed with. Are you wearing a harness? I thought it was in Berlin for a moment there. I was so impressed. Um, sorry, sorry, bringing the tone down. Now, we've all come out for a very nice time and we're going to continue to have it. Are you OK with that? Yeah. Great. OK, well, our first act in the section is a very dear, like-minded friend of mine yeah. who I think you'll all enjoy very much. Please start the clapping and the cheering. Yeah. And welcome Susie
4: Roffle! Yeah.
5: good stuff. Uh, Hello, I'm the 15th act on. Uh, Board of comedy yet? I am. Uh, I'm only joking. What a fun night it's been. Uh, So I've got to just tell you one story really about something that happened to me quite recently. Um, I was on Facebook, which is somewhere that I don't spend a lot of time because it's full of mad people, I find. Uh, One of those mad people is my mother who's recently joined. She's very new to Facebook, which she's really gone in at the last stages of Facebook. (laughs) She's really, she's really slipped in just at the end. And let me tell you, Anne Ruffle, the mothership, she's sharing. <laughs> she is sharing. She's sharing shit about angels. She is sharing shit about horoscopes. She's sharing shit about crystals. Okay? The other day, she shared a picture of a dog that was lost. The dog was lost in Texas. <laughs> lives in Portsmouth, one of her friends have written underneath it, I'll keep my eye out. I thought, what's happened here? Because Pixar wants to get hold of this story. What the fuck's happened here? Right. So on Facebook, I've got a fan page, which I know is a bit gross, but my agent set it up. Don't judge me. Right. And sometimes people send me messages and sometimes I send people messages back and it's, it's nice. It's friendly. Right. Until the other day I went on. Right. I've got some messages, I'll have a look at some of them. And a fella had sent me some messages. He had sent me 14 pictures. Yes, 14 pictures of his cock. Now, there's a few things to unpack here, I think. (laughs) First off, I think 14 is a weird number. (laughs) Because to me, that's like he's done a shoot. This is the portfolio, here's the good ones we're taking to a client. Um, I don't really know what that means, but some of my friends have got proper jobs and they say things like that sometimes. So, 14 pictures. Also, the, 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 so the picture, so his name's Martin, he had his real name, and he had bunny ears on in the pictures, and you could see his face. And the, the pictures were... St- arty. They weren't good. I mean, I don't think I'd ever find them particularly good, but they were strange. Like in some of them, he was wearing ladies knickers. I'm not going to kink shame. I think whatever you want to do, you do it, but don't send me the pictures. But what he'd done is he just popped his little cock out the side of it. So just like, just, just out the sun. Do they always look angry? I've not got a lot of experience, but it looked few. Yes, absolutely spitting it was just like that and then some of them where he was he was mid-jumping some of them just just mid-jump just just there then there was some where he was like that just just out the, but it was very strange it was very very strange and so he sent me all these pictures of his cock so and I, I was quite sort of shocked by it because I would say even the briefest google of me would tell you that that sort of carry-on is very, very much not up my strata. <laughs> and so I thought, right, okay, well, this must be a thing. This must be like, everyone must have received this. This is like spam or something. It's gone to everyone. There's going to be a thing about it on Twitter later. Everyone's got these stupid pictures. But but, 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 but it wasn't. He just sent them to me. And so I, there were the photos, and then I scrolled down, and he had sent a message. I thought, oh, an artist and a writer. What a treat. And... <laughs> In his message, he put, Hi, Susie, I'm a big fan of your stand-up. You can't choose your fans, I'm always on tour. But he said, I've been thinking about sending you these photos for a while. Which begs the question, Hey, Martin, why today? What has happened in your life today that you've gone... Yeah, I'm going to harass that lesbian today. That's what I'm going to do. I'm in the kind of mood to harass a lesbian online. I've been thinking about sending these photos for a while. I hope you like them. Bad news, Martin, not for me. But if you don't, no wuzzers. And I thought, no wuzzers was such a strange ending. Like, no wuzzers, babe. Do you want a coffee? No wuzzers. And I thought, you know what, Martin? Some fucking wuzzers, you fucking pervert. Some fucking wuzzers sending me 14 pictures of your sad little dick that looks so fucking angry. Right, okay. And then then what happened is that I read the message and then he could see on the messaging service that I had seen the message because it said, seen underneath it. And then he sent me a little thumbs up. And I thought, how does he have no shame? Okay, this is my question. Because I feel like I'm dealing with shame all of the fucking time. I'm always ashamed. That's how I feel. I'm always ashamed. I have things called shame shudders. I'm sure you have them too, where you have memories of things that happened in your life and it makes you go, oh God, I hate me. You know those? (laughs) Oh, God. You know time you were sick on someone else's shoes outside a club? Oh, God, me. Uh, You know those? (laughs) Putting kiss, kiss at the end of a work email? Oh, God, it's gone. You know one of those? I'm going to tell you quickly about the worst shame shudder I've ever had, okay? Years ago, I had the worst breakup of my life. It was about six years ago now. One night, I decided to stay in, drink a bottle and a half of wine, and go through her Facebook page to see pictures of her and her new boyfriend. It wasn't the best idea I'd ever had, but it was what I was working with on that day, okay? So I'm a bottle and a half of wine in. And in my drunken stupor, I accidentally tagged myself (laughs) in her photo of her and her new boyfriend as the candle. Like I was fucking Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast. Hey, remember me? You broke my life. Hey. How am I still getting shame shudders about that from six and a half years ago? oh God, but Martin sent me pictures of his dick. And then thumbs up, very strange very strange oh I've got one more minute I'll tell you this and then I'll go um you've been very nice you're supporting great things tonight it's always nice people that come to Gertie feminist gigs so well done you really um my dad my dad my dad um I think was quite I think having a gay child was a surprise to him like it wasn't what he ordered and now he's totally fine with it but when I first came out he was like oh no I don't this isn't this isn't what we've ordered I'm so sorry. But now they're like, should we take it away? And he's like, no, no, we've learned to like it. Uh, So that's where he's at with it. And he's become, he's become an ally. He's become, and he's learning. And sometimes he gets things wrong, but he tries. And I think that that's the most important thing. And a little while ago, he rang me, he was very stressed. He went, hello, baby, I need to talk to you. I've got a geezer, dad. I went, all right, what's up? He went, here, listen, baby, I've got to ask you a very serious question, right? It's really, really serious. And you need to know whatever the answer is. I love you to bits, baby. I love you to bits, but I need the truth. So, Dad, whatever the question is, I'll tell you the truth, not a problem. He goes, all right, baby, I love you to bitch. You tell me the truth. Here, do you want to be a boy? <laughs> so, oh no, Dad, I'm just a gay girl with short hair. And he went, Oh, all right then, here's your mum. <laughs> Passed the phone to my mum, mum went, We've watched a documentary. <laughs> so, ah, oh, they've watched something queer confuse them. Which one is she? I don't know. Give her a ring. Ah. Oh. How nice. Listen, you all have a good weekend. My name's Susie. I'll see you another time. Cheers.
0: The incredible Susie Ruffle, everybody. Isn't she truly, 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 truly amazing? Um, Okay, so uh, the only cape that hasn't been bid on is the one that Tom Allen was just modelling. Someone came and took the red one off my back. Literally took it off my back. And Daisy came down and went, someone's bid £200 on this and they have to go. And she ripped my favourite, the one with the cherries and the fake fur. I know, it's very upsetting. But I'm now modelling this green one, which you can have for a mere £250. Now... Uh, Give us a cheer if you've ever listened to um, the incredible Talk Art podcast by Russell Tovey and Rob Diamond. Excellent. Um, There's some loud cheers and claps if you didn't hear that, Rob. It's hard to hear backstage, but there are. Um, If you haven't, it's an absolutely extraordinary show. I've learned so much about art from listening to it. Russell Tovey, Rob Diamond. Russell, as you know, he's an actor and art collector. Rob Diamond runs the Carl Friedman Gallery in Margate, which is absolutely extraordinary. He's an art collector and an art curator. And the two of them interview artists from around the world. They've just done some incredible ones with uh, Ukrainian artists and also uh, people there who've made Ukraine their home. It's just a phenomenal show. Um, Tonight, um, he is joined by a representative of the Say It Loud Club who is going to tell you about the organisation run for and by refugees that you're here for tonight. Um, So please give a huge guilty feminist Woohooing, cheering, break laws if necessary, smash the patriarchy in welcoming Rob Diamond at the from Saint Club! I mean it's so beautiful. Good evening, Good evening. London.
6: Um, I say London because I live in Margate now. Um, I up sticks and left uh, the big lights, and I've gone to the seaside town. Um, Tonight, I am really proud to be speaking with Thelma, who I've just met backstage, and we've had the most extraordinary conversation. Um, Thelma is part of Say It Loud um, Club, which is an organisation which, tonight, um, a lot of the money will be going to both charities, Can Do, but also the Say It Loud Club. And Say It Loud Club... um, has helped so many, and I mean hundreds, of refugees and asylum seekers who have come to the UK trying to find safety and to make it their home. Um, and the thing that is, they all have in common is that they're all um, LGBTQI plus um, individuals. And um, Thelma herself um, has come to the UK and had a long, long period um, trying to prove that, um, A, that you were part of the LGBT. Um, community and that you had this genuine reason you you had to flee Uganda can you speak a bit about the um the kind of trauma and the shock when you arrive and then you find they just don't believe that you are actually who
7: you say you are yeah thank you so much good evening everyone (laughs) so I don't know if you know this but if you come from a country where you're fleeing uh, based on your sexuality when you get here you actually have to prove that you are who you say you are. So when you get to the home office, there's a grueling seven-hour interview you're put into detention, and you have to prove that you are saying you're an LGBT person. So they require evidence, they require pictures, and it's a grueling process. So at Say It Lab Club, we offer help and support to members from all over the, the world, you know, being LGBTQ is still illegal in over 70 countries, and where I come from is carry a death sentence. So when you arrive in the UK and you ask these questions, how did you come out? How do you realise you are who you say you are? And you have to present evidence, and they actually don't believe you. So you have to go through the gruelling process and interview, and they ask you so many excruciating questions and. It's a terrifying experience, and it's only going to get worse with this national borders bill that's being passed in law, and Priti Patel is fighting for, is not fighting for people like us, you know. Eight years ago, the process was just as bad, but today is actually terrifying. It's terrible with the borders bill, what is written there, I'm shocked and horrified that. That bill actually went through Parliament, so yeah, me too. It's
6: appalling, and also it's um, just making it even harder when it's 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 hard enough coming here as a refugee, but I think when you're LGBTQ+, it's like even harder because you have to sort of bring evidence when you've maybe come from a country where you weren't even allowed to speak that you were who you were. So how the hell are you going to have evidence? I mean, even growing up myself, I, I would never have like, you know, had photos of me and a partner or something if you're trying to hide it from your parents. It's such a crazy idea. Yeah. Um, one of the things I love so much about Say at Loud Club is that you also help um, bring kind of legal advice And also just solidarity and friendship and joy and fun as well to the lives of all your members. And you've helped about 400 or or more um, individuals. Can you speak a bit about the legal challenges that you were presented with?
7: Yeah, so when you're applying for asylum, you need some cowboy lawyers who just want to exploit people and take advantage of the situation. Because, number one, you may not speak English. You may not be familiar with the terminology. So St. Lauders partner up with organization and charities and lawyers who are actually um, understanding the case, understanding our members. And so we recommend that to our members and we partner up with solicitors. Um, legal, they don't provide legal aid. So um, legal costs are really high. So we have solicitors who are volunteers and they give members subsidized rates or Represent them for a, a low cost or free of charge, so we direct them into the right channel, into the right solicitors. And if your case gets refused, you have to go to court and present yourself with a, in, in front of a judge with the home office court. And that process in itself could take up to five years, and it's a grueling process. And during that time, you will find yourself in a detention, which is actually worse than a prison. So that's when Sailor Club comes to offer that emotional support, offer emotional help, um, transportation, um, when you go to your tribunal, just that love and support with members who look like you, who sound like you, and just giving you that extra support. So that's what we provide. And also... um
6: Also, the, the organisation was set up by an incredible human being called Aloysius. And Aloysius um, actually travels up and down the UK um, like all the time to go and um, represent and be a witness for and vouch for um, people in their tribunals. And actually, it's often Aloysius' statements that are actually winning the cases. So often the legal um, teams don't always have the experience, do they, yeah. to even help these, these um, people coming in because it's such a specific cause, like the LGBT kind of, um, you know, the, the crisis that, that's happening.
7: Yeah, um, the problem with the home office, they feel like one size fits all. An LGBTQ from Uganda is completely different to an LGBT person from Pakistan or Bangladesh. So the, when they are writing these policies and procedures, they're just basing it under one um, guidance, one rule. It doesn't apply to the same people. We, we all use different routes to come in here. So that in itself, they say you're lying. So when you don't have a legal representative who only understands the law from what the Home Office has written, it becomes very difficult to represent the individual from a country with an authentic. So that's where State Law comes. And Aloysius goes to court. I wish one of you could come to the court and see how he fights for the members. It's a grueling process. I've been there several times, and I've seen how terrifying the whole process can be. And the homeless use use that chance to really try and intimidate people. So you're walking in there telling you you're a a liar, and they say these things, and they're very intimidating. So they use that tactic that you make mistakes so they can deport you back to the country where you fled. Nobody wants to come here. Nobody wants to leave their family, their childhood, everything they know to just come here. You're coming here to seek shelter, help and support because you're running away from, the only thing that you know about your life, the whole childhood you're running away. So when you walk in here and the people who are supposed to help and support you, they're not believing what you're saying. It's a traumatizing experience and people go through major mental health issues and this is where Sailor Club comes to give that support the emotional support, the emotional help. And you know, once you even get granted, the journey even continues to be harder because the integration process is even difficult. Finding housing, finding employment. So when you come to Say It Loud, it's a big family and Aloysius has done a fantastic job over the last 12 years. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Rob Diamond
0: and Thelma from Say It Loud, everybody. Thanks everyone. Thank you so much. Can I just say, Thelma, before you go, did you think of wearing this cape to the Home Office to indicate that you were LGBTQ I think we should just give all refugees who are LGBTQ plus one of those capes and send them down to the Home Office. And when I say, how do you know we're gay? So, because of this! Thank you all, thank you so much. Thelma and Rob, everybody!
4: Hello,
0: Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah. Listening to Robert and Thelma talking about the Say It Loud Club is so incredibly moving. To hear from its founder, Aloysia Saleh, check out episode 110, live from Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. You may have heard that Thelma was wearing a rainbow cloak and those cloaks were raising money for Say It Loud. Some lovely person in the audience, and this is the loveliness of the Guilty Feminist crowd, Somebody went and bought it. The money went to Say It Loud, and they asked that the cloak be given to Thelma because they thought she was the right owner for it. Totally anonymous. Isn't that the loveliest thing you've ever heard? Secondly, someone wonderful came out of the audience. She said to me, I love a call to action, and I would love to work with the Say It Loud Club to resource them with better legal services. And she had access to ways of doing that. Uh, And thirdly, the wonderful Rob Diamond has approached Say It Loud Club to help work with them and raise funds for them. We're also talking to some of the other acts on the night who want to become patrons or advocates for Say It Loud. I just want to mention this because this night was not just about awareness. It wasn't just about raising funds. It was about action, connection and community. And the more we can come together and hear each other's stories and centre the right people telling their own stories, the more we can change the world together. If you would like to help Say It Loud Club, go to sayitloudclub.org and click donate. If you can't donate anything, is there anybody in your circle, in your WhatsApp groups who could if you explained how important it was, if you shared the episode of the podcast with them or even just spoke from the heart about what you've heard? Our tour continues. We are on the road. 9th of April. I will be in Cambridge with Jess Foster-Q, Jen Brister, Celia AB, Grace Petrie, I'll I'll be with exactly the same phenomenal lineup. 10th of April, Northampton. On 22nd of April and 23rd of April, we've got Jess Foster-Q, Sophie Ducca, Celia A.B. and Jess Robinson. I'm going to do my stand-up show, which is 75 minutes of stand-up. You will never hear on the podcast because I will not put it on the internet. From the 22nd of April to the 7th of May at Soho Theatre. In Australia and New Zealand in July, we'll be coming to so many fabulous cities, doing so many fabulous shows Find out where, guiltyfeminist.com. Big Speeches is back online with Jessica Regan. Learn to speak confidently and silence your inner imposter and release your inner feminist. Join our Patreon to get ad-free episodes, regular Zoom hangouts with me, and to help keep the podcast going. For more information about all these things, go to guiltyfeminist.com. And now, back to the podcast.
3: Next act, I'm so delighted that they are here. Are you excited to welcome them on the stage? Okay, start the clapping, start the cheering, and welcome the wonderful Mae Martin.
8: So nice to be here. Uh, I'm May. <laughs> Did everyone, everybody, have a good childhood? Um, I'm uh, I'm glad that I got to be here. I'm about to go uh, back home to Canada for a chunk of time. Um, i like to go back. I'm, I've been here 12 years. By the way, is anyone from Canada? Really? Hello. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know about you, but I found it. I like. I love it here. Please, don't get me wrong. I love it here. But I found it hard to like find my social niche because there's this phenomenon that exists in this country. I don't know if you're aware of it, if you grew up here. It doesn't exist in any other country. The phenomenon, as far as I understand it, is called school friends. <laughs> it's called school friends. So it, it seems to me like you guys have your friends, your regular friends, of which like maybe I'm one. I have friends. And then there's this elite, impenetrable group <laughs> Of school friends, that it's so annoying. It's like every important event, it's like New Year's Eve, and I'm like, hey, I'm like, oh, what's everybody doing for New Year's? And people are like, I'm really sorry. It's just literally every year me and my school friends do something It's infuriating. It's literally me, Annie, Phoebe, Charlie, Becca, Tash, Chesky, Phoebe B, Annie B. We literally just get an Airbnb and we do life drawing, and it's kind of a. Like, it's really annoying. Also, I don't get, it's, uh, it's, it seems like a very toxic relationship that you have with your school friends because it's like, you would die for them. There's like, when you're in a group, it's like, it's us guys. And then if you separate, like you'll be at a party and be like, I'm really sorry, it's just my school friend. And like, throw them under the bus. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> it's toxic. I don't want any part of it. Um, but I do love it here and but I'm, I'm gonna go back and like a lot of my friends are starting to have babies in Toronto and I'm meeting their babies and also because of the pandemic their babies are like toddlers now and um I did notice I'll, I'll move on from like culture cultural comparison in a minute but um I noticed one more uniquely British thing that I love please uh like my dad's British I'm not uh, uh, um but um you guys are, are the only culture that ironically insults their own babies they don't do that anywhere else. So I go home to Canada and people are like, this is my child who I love and would protect and adore. And you guys are like, what, well, this piece of shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, it is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> throw it in the bin. <laughs> this... I love it. Um, my dad is British. He, my dad's like very British, he's a mystical. British men, heads in the clouds, just a dreamy, older British gent. And uh, just, I, I don't know how else to explain him except to say mystical. Like, um, best example of this is when I was a kid, my dad was driving my brother and I to karate class. It was a very Canadian scene. It's like the middle of winter. We're driving down the highway. It's snowing. Um, it's about 5 p.m., so it's like pretty much dark out. And we're, we're in our karate uniforms in the back seat. I was eight. My brother was 12. I was a green belt in karate. My brother was a yellow belt. So he was four years older and two belts lower. It's not important, but um, just thought I'd mention it. Uh, and all of a sudden, my dad like swerves to the side of the highway in like a really dangerous move, like, like swerves over, pulls over on the side of the highway in a snowstorm, tires screeching, people honking. We're like, what the fuck is going on? He's really shaken. And he's like, I'm so sorry, children, but we have to get out of the car. And we're like, what? And so we get out of the car into the snowstorm in our karate uniforms. My brother's so embarrassed. He's like a 12-year-old boy standing by the side of the highway and, is, and people are driving by and they're like, is he a yellow belt? Because he looks <laughs> he looks older. Turn the car around. I got to check this out. And um, my dad goes, it's just I saw the new moon through glass. So like, is that a British thing? He saw the sliver of the new moon through the windshield and then his superstition was that we had to pull over get out bow to the moon and say good evening lady moon like it was mystical and uh, so the last time I was home um, I'm standing in the kitchen with my mom and my dad goes he comes out to me he's had a few glasses of wine and he comes out to me and goes uh, meet me in the study at dusk okay so I go to my mom, I'm like, what time is dusk? Like, <laughs> And then I go to the the study, and this is like my childhood home that um I grew up, they, they've had it since long before I was born, like it's, and so this room, this study has been many things over the years, and we're standing there, and the reason my dad had got me there was to like, there's a family of raccoons that lives in a tree outside, and every night at dusk they emerge, and my dad has names for them and relationships with them. So we're waiting for the raccoons to arrive and he goes really casually, he says, um, you know, you were conceived in this room. <laughs> and I, 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 I never get to see him. I like to bond and connect with him. I don't want to shut him down when he's being mystical. So I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, you, were, you remember the specific night that I was conceived? And he genuinely said the phrase, Yes I remember it well. the moonlight shone in over your mother's bottom those were the exact words that he used over your mother's bo- like think it through. I now know the position I was conceived in. I'm horrified It's you don't want to be conceived doggy style, please I. It is so bleak, like it's changed how I see myself. You want to be conceived face-to-face, eye contact, the moment of ejaculation, like we choose to make a life, not not like, oh, bite the pillow, it's horrible, it's so grim. It's like affected my posture, I'm just a bit more like... "Mm -hmm." (laughs) I feel like I can spot other doggy-style babies, for sure. I can see in here tonight, there's a few, like... <laughs> I get on the tube, I'm like... And they're like... <laughs> um, I, uh, I'll, I'll go in one second. I would say that my, my parents uh, also have this... Okay, this is just a dumb thing. that I, I'd love your opinion on this, actually. So my parents have an anecdote that they've been telling my whole life. Um, two, three times a year they bring up this story, they love to tell it at a dinner party or whatever, and it infuriates me because I'm like, it cannot be true, what are you playing at? (laughs) Like, what are you doing? So this is the story, and then you'd be the judge. My parents swear that when they were in their late 20s, they were driving through northern Ontario down a rural road, and they drove under a moose. (laughs) They swear. It it makes me feel insane. Like, and me and my brother are like, what are you talking about? They say they were driving along, the moose was horizontal on the road, and they drove under its belly. So my brother and I, we lose our minds. Um, and so this past time that I was there, we were like, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. So, We were hanging out, just the two of us, me and my brother, and we were like, we need to finally find out if this is true. We did research. We found out um, the height of a Toyota Tercel, that's the car they were driving, so the height of the roof of the car. We found out the largest ever recorded moose. And the infuriating thing is, it could just have happened. It could just have happened. If they happen to stumble upon the biggest ever recorded moose. Give me a cheer if you think it happened. Really? Wow. Okay. And if you think it's bullshit. It Very split. Um, all right. Thank you so much. This What a great night. Oh, I should say as well. Um, I have a... Uh, poster. It's like, um, I did a show called Feel Good and I have a poster for it. Thank you so much. And uh, it's like autographed by Lisa Kudrow and all the cast and um, I think you're going to auction it off at the end. So yeah, please bid on it. It's for such a good cause. Yeah.
1: time I can't wait to say some filthy things in this church yeah so good hello gang uh, my name is Kima. I'm from Texas which is a piece of shit uh, <laughs> it is bad um, and it's it's weird whenever I really talk shit about the UK which I do for fun um I always sound really hypocritical because America is also horrible. Um, And it's just kind of like the pot calling the kettle (laughs) African-American. It just doesn't doesn't really work. Um, But I, as well as the rest of the lineup, am a queer individual. Um, I identify as pansexual. My ponytail identifies as LGBTL. Thank you. Um, And for me, being pansexual means the same thing as being bisexual, except less old white people have heard of it, so I get more street cred. They're just like, what is this exotic strain of gay? There's a new one out. There's a new one. Wow. It's absolutely madness. And I honestly do feel like, like bi people are often not given the respect that we deserve. Like, they're always like, ooh, you don't know what you want. You're greedy. And I'm like, excuse me, whatever happened to women having it all? What was that campaign about? Yeah, but they don't want us to have it all. They just want us to have jobs and children. Ah! Excuse me, that sounds too hard. I would much rather have a boyfriend and a girlfriend. (laughs) I am greedy. Sue me. (laughs) I'm coming for your daughters and your sons. I don't care. (laughs) It's absolute madness. Honestly. And I feel like sometimes the disrespect can be even worse from within the LGBTQ community. Never gay enough for these people. Oh, so frustrating. I was once um, going down on a lesbian I was dating. And when she said to me, I just don't think that you can understand the lesbian experience if you are still dating men. Now, Union Chapel, we can all agree that was a horrible impersonation. <laughs> 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 I just wanted you to know that she was French. <laughs> I'm not bragging, that's just my life. Um, <laughs> But she was like, I don't think that you can understand. Uh, To which I replied, (laughs) What? (laughs) Honestly, how is this not gay enough for you? I said to her, how are you looking down on me as I'm going down on you? As I removed her pepular pubes from the back of my throat. It's gonna get worse. Oh, it's absolute madness. And recently, just for a little bit of torture, I've been fucking straight men again. Ew. I know, we all make mistakes, honey, don't judge. <laughs> Please, be gentle. I know, I don't. why would I do it? I have options. I don't know, I'm silly, I'm a fool. Oh, it's so frustrating. And I'll just tell you about my pet peeve. Um, straight men that don't eat pussy. What are you doing? It's absolutely ridiculous. And let me say, I know that not every woman has a vagina, and if you're a straight man and your girlfriend has a dick, you better be slobbing on that knob, sir. You better be slobbing on that knob. I'm gonna talk about straight men who are not eating vagina because that has been my experience and I am fed up with it. I find it inconsiderate and immature. Okay, how dare you be out here in this world acting like pussy is leafy greens and it doesn't agree with your palate? Are you mad? Out here acting like vagina is Brussels sprouts. You're not about to treat my treasure chest like Brussels sprouts, are you crazy? Oh, and it gets me. And the thing that gets me about it, as a queer woman, I love me some Brussels sprouts. (laughs) I will eat Brussels sprouts all day, okay? As long as they are well taken care of, I am nibbling on those sprouts, okay? I will wake up in the morning and have Brussels sprouts for breakfast. I will roll over, look at the chef and say, I'm hungry, girl. And she'll say, all I have is Brussels sprouts. Is that okay? And I'll say, is that okay? They're my favorite. Nah, 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 nah. Madness. Oh, and a little marinade I never heard anybody. I will slurp up the sauce. I said it. Too far, not far enough. It's madness. Oh, and you got straight men out here who want to play with the food but not eat it. Who wanna enter without an entree? What? Oh. Oh, I think what gets me about it is they never don't want you to suck that dick. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's always on the menu. No. I think, what, I think I'm trying to wrap my head around the logic. And I think, I think they think that we're not taking care of our, like, that we treat our genitalia the way that they treat theirs. Because uh, people are reckless with dicks. <laughs> It's absolute madness. There are grown men walking around the streets right now, okay, that don't use toilet paper when they fucking pee, walking around with dried pee-pee on their panties like, I'm the king of society. (laughs) No! You're not the king of society. You're fucking disgusting. I'm looking at you. It's (laughs) madness. It's madness. Oh! And I guess what's so frustrating about it is, like, people with vaginas we take care of our shit okay we're out here measuring pH trying to keep things in balance we're fucking scientists we're doing math it's mad oh oh, it frustrates me and I just want to say like I don't know one person with a vagina that has ever jacked off with a sock that's not us That's not our filth! I don't know one person with a vulva who has ever dipped it into a warm pie. Do you hear me? But it's apparently so prevalent in the penis community that they made a film franchise about it and everyone was like, yep. Absolutely infuriating. I guess what I'm saying is if you are a straight man that doesn't eat pussy, I need you to keep your dirty dick logic to yourself and eat your vegetables. (laughs) I've been Kim Bob. You guys have been amazing.
3: To close our show, please welcome to the stage to sing us out, Grace Petrie and Ben
4: Moss. Hello again, Union Chapel. Have you had an amazing night? Are you
9: feeling fired up? Are you feeling queer? Some of you, straight to begin with, are you feeling a bit more queer than you were coming in? You know? I know I'm feeling queerer than I was, and that's pretty hard to beat, to be honest. So we're just going to finish with one song. Um, give me a shout if you've ever heard uh, me or Ben and I on the Guilty Feminist podcast. Good stuff. So this is a song that you might be familiar with that I did on the Guilty on the, on the Feminist many, 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 many times. And it's a song about being a butch lesbian teenager, right? That's what I, that's what I used to be. I used to be a butch lesbian teenager, and now I'm just a butch lesbian 34-year-old. That's what I am. And uh, and the only difference between those two states is that I used to be ashamed, and now Union Chapel, I'm fucking proud to
4: be a butch lesbian, right?
9: So I wrote a song, right? I wrote a song as a bit of a letter to my teenage self uh, to just tell her that, you know, things are gonna be okay, right? And uh, and it's called Black Tie. and it's got a line in it, which I would love you to join in with, if that's okay. Um, uh, it's, a, it's like a call and response line. I'm going to do the first bit, and you're going to reply the second bit. And uh, it's a bit sweary. Um, uh, I'm afraid there's nothing I, I can do about that um, uh, for, for two reasons. Uh, number one, uh, it is a rhyming couplet. You know, so my hands are tied. Uh, and number two, it's literally the greatest achievement of my life, this line. So uh, so I'll teach it to you now. The line goes the images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure. Are you with me, Union Jack? Cool. So I'm going to do the first bit and you're going to reply to the segment. I'm going to sing the images that fucked you and you're going to reply were a patriarchal structure a bit like this. And the images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure. Cool. And I went to Catholic school. (laughs) So to sing this in a church is just darling. So... (laughs) I would love you <laughs> I'd love you to sing that line as loud as you fucking can you've been amazing Union Chapel I'm Grace Beach, this has been Moss and this has been Campus
4: Printer. jungle out there. The year 2018, I didn't think we'd still be sorting babies into blue and pink. And all our progress, yeah, I wonder what it means when the only girls close the work for me turn out to be boyfriend jeans. Well, that's fine, because I decline. A narrow set of rules that you don't. They're not mine If you need me You can find me ironing my shirt Cos I'm in black tie tonight Get a postcard to my Year 11 self In her year 11 hell, Saying everything's gonna be Structure, and you never will surrender To a narrow view of gender And I swear there'll come a day When you won't worry what they say On the labels and on the tools You will figure out what's yours And it's a bloody nightmare I'm Trying to fight this spread bigotry and fear that's uniting JK Rowan, Vladimir and all our progress yeah I wonder who it's for when I dare to utter the trans yeah, and all I got was except for well that's fine cause I decline your narrow set of rules they just don't work and these red lines they're not mine if you need me, you can find me ironing my skirt cos I'm in black tie tonight Get a postcard to my Year 11 self In her Year 11 hell Saying everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it You will find the clothes that fit And the image is the butcher where patriarchal structure and you never will surrender to a narrow view of gender and I swear there'll come a day when you won't worry what they say on the labels and on the tools you will figure out what's yours you will figure out what's yours and that it's got nothing to do with fitting neatly in a box was constructed to make it seem like people come in just two teams and anything that's in between ain't good enough and you will love
9: and you'll be loved and you're in black tie tonight get a postcard to my year 11 self in her year 11 hell darling everything's gonna be
4: alright no you won't grow out of it you will find the clothes that fit and the images that fuck you are your patriarchal and you never will surrender to that narrow view of gender and there's folks you've yet to meet but you're exactly up their street and they've been waiting Long to hear someone sing this song Better days are on their way When it won't matter what they say On the labels and on the doors You will figure out what's yours And girl, you're gonna be so happy Girl, you're gonna be just fine Be so happy Down the line, down the line
3: down for my name.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, if you haven't bought a hood yet, please buy one on the way out. That sounds wrong at a gig for like this. Um, uh, but... <laughs> 40, 40 quid for a hood. And th- that 40 quid will keep you warm. We call them sisterhoods because the sisterhood protects you from the rain. But honestly, tonight, what we're doing is we're protecting people from rain. This, this is not what feminism is for. If this is not what sisterhood is for, is this not, is, is not what activism is for, what is it for? We can't just know stuff. Awareness isn't enough. We've got to do stuff. And tonight, by coming out, you have done stuff. By ordering Tom Allen Chipotle, you've not done a lot, but you've done something for him, and he loved it. He absolutely loved the Chipotle. So I just want to say thank you. This is Tom Allen's first Guilty Feminist event, I think. <laughs> I just said to him backstage, you know, the the power of Tom Allen on the screen and everything that he does is really amazing, and I know that a lot of people bought tickets tonight because they love the Girls Feminists. But it's like, oh, and with Tom Allen co-hosting, so I just really want to say a big thank you to Tom because we needed to raise money.
3: Because
0: it's real, real real, LGBTQ+, plus, let's not say that. Real gay men, real lesbian women, real non-binary people, real transgender people are trying to get across the board and they're running from real fear... And that money does something real, and it's run for and by refugees. If you can get behind, say, at Loud Club, if anyone here is LGBTQ+, and you're thinking, I'd love to do something, they need volunteers, they need advocates, they need people sharing. You might not have any money, you might have spent it all on this ticket tonight, but there's someone in your WhatsApp groups who's rich. And there is. Mm -hmm. Write to them. You know rich gays, all of you. Tell them.
3: Oh, the Islington to, you, Rich Gays. Oh, Yeah, Tom Allen, you know Rich Gays. That, I'd love to be on that WhatsApp group. Get them oh, in, my goodness.
0: Get them involved in in this. You know Rich Gays in show business. Get them involved in, say, at Loud Club. And everybody get behind Can Do Action. They're doing proper stuff, they're doing really frontline stuff. It is the difference between life and death. I don't fucking know we can win this war. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we can win the climate crisis. I don't know if we can stop war. Do you know all I know is that life is made up of moments and every moment between, we're so fixated on outcomes, but we can't control outcomes. What we can control is this moment being a bit kinder, throwing a rope of compassion, hope, resource, food, welcoming, community. That's all we've got. We don't know. It's one day the earth will burn out from the sun anyway. What we've got now between now and then is a bunch of moments. Please make each moment warmer, more kind, more compassionate, more feminist. Think about what the word means. Because it because the moments are what matters. When we get fixated on outcomes, we don't know that we can do it and we want to give up. But I know what I can do, and I can do make a moment for somebody else better today and tomorrow. Please join the guilty feminist in doing that. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you. Can we have a round of applause for Deborah Francis White, everybody? Thank what a you great to night.
0: Backstage, Union Chapel, you've been incredible. All of our gang, everybody who's come, all of you, thank you so much, we love you. Thank you Despicable Daisy for coming from Ireland with your cloaks. Give generously to the charities, set up a direct debit, do something, it's gonna make you feel better and it's gonna change someone else's moment. We love you, Good night. You have been listening to episode 300 of The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Tom Allen and an array of very special guests raising money for Say It Loud Club and Can Do Action. The recording engineer was Grundy Liz Imbra. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The producer was Tom Selinsky for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Gina DiCio, Rachel Craftman, Zainab Muhammad, Callum Baker, Ned Sedgwick and everyone at the Union Chapel as well as all of you for listening. More information about this and other episodes visit guiltyfeminist.com I'm going to see if I can get her to lick the poster because I want to up the value. Um, it's been signed by the whole cast, including Mae Martin, including Lisa Kudrow. So it's backstage waiting for you to bid on it. And all the money will go to Can Do Action and the Say It Loud Club. And speaking of the Say It Loud Club, Rainbow Cloak, yes! Camp as springtime.
5: Now this is, I think, the most valuable... cloak.
0: The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast.